beautiful name it is the name of Jesus Christ my King what a beautiful name it is nothing compares to this what a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus you didn't want heaven without us so Jesus you brought heaven down my sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. could not hold you the veil tore before you you silenced the boast of sin and grave the heavens are roaring the praise of your glory for you are raised to life Here at Miami Valley Church, we want to make Jesus known, and we believe that that starts in the homes. If you want to check out our website, 
we make it so simple for you. Go to family. Underneath that, you will find the tab Parent Queue. That will take you to a website that each and every week, um, it provides just a short video, a lesson um, that your kids are gonna love. It's an interactive, filled with music, teaching, great characters, and it's just gonna point them back to Jesus each and every week. Um, and I think the parents might like it almost as much as the kids. Check it out, you won't wanna miss it. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on this journey. We are calling through it all, where we are going through all of God's word together. We're gonna be jumping back in to Genesis 37. So if you have your Bibles, mobile devices, go ahead and get that ready. Genesis 37, we're gonna be listening to God's truth. We're gonna be engaging in his word together. And I pray that we would move together closer towards him. Today, we're gonna be looking at God's desire for family, the importance of family, and how the enemy is going to try to destroy family. As a church, we've been praying together with one voice, God, how would you have us love and share Jesus right here where you have placed us? And God is showing us that it starts in our home, that he wants the family unit to be united. And that is how we will go from there reaching our neighborhoods, reaching our communities, this valley where he has placed us and all the way to the ends of the earth. But friends, the enemy does not want this. The enemy will do everything to create division in the home because if he can divide us, if he can separate us in our home, we will never reach our neighborhoods. We will never reach our communities. We will never reach this valley and we won't even get close to the ends of the earth. And so I want to take this time right now as it is so important. Let's pray for families together. The church that's meeting in your house, would you take the next minute to pray over families specifically, to pray for individuals in the home, for spouses in the home, for children in the home, for all of those in the home, all of those in family, would you pray specifically for families right now that they would know God's truth, that they would hear it as truth, that they would speak kind words to each other, that his word would prevail in the home, that God's protection would be over each individual in the home, that the enemy would not have a place in the home, and that we would make Jesus known right here in our homes, right here at the start. Take the next minute with me and let's pray over families specifically right here in this valley.
Okay, so remember last week in Genesis 36, we looked at the line of Esau and we asked the question, why? Why do we need to know these names? Remember, God chooses Jacob. He gave a promise to Abraham and then to Isaac, and then he chose Jacob to fulfill that promise that through Jacob and through his sons, there would be this great nation. And so we asked the question last week, why? Why do we need to know these names? And we talked about how we are not to judge that even in bad situations, that even in disobedience, God can use people, real people, real names to fulfill his greater purpose. And so this week, as we dig into chapter 37, we see right off the bat, it says, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. And already we see this picture of division. Remember, Esau, his brother, is in Seir, and Jacob is in Canaan. There is already division. They are divided. But as we look at the life of Jacob, we begin to see the transformation in Jacob's life. Remember early on, Jacob was an intelligent man, but he leaned on his own understanding, on his own wisdom to get him out of situations instead of trusting the Lord. As we go through this story, as he has encountered God, we begin to see that he starts trusting God. We start to see that he follows after God. Remember the verse that God gave us for this decade. Psalm 37.3, trust the Lord and do good. Trust the Lord and do good. And friends, I want you to see uh, just the timing of this. Remember, God got our attention. He gave us his word, his truth. Psalm 37.3, trust the Lord and do good. We were faced with a situation. We were faced with a situation. And at that very moment, we could choose is this the way we're gonna go? Are we gonna lean in our, our own understanding? Are we gonna uh, see what looks best to us? Are we gonna uh, try to determine what is the best, best path? Are we going to trust God in His perfect way? Do you see the timing of that? Do you see the timeline? God got our attention. He gave us His word, His truth. We were faced with a situation. And at that very moment, we had the choice to go down our own path, to choose what we think is best, or to follow hard after him as he leads. Friends, right now, I think we just need to praise God for who he is and what he has shown us. God, we praise you. You are so good. God, we thank you for getting our attention. We thank you for uh, giving us your truth. We thank you for leading. God, we surrender to your perfect plan. We lean not on our own understanding, God, but we wanna follow hard after you. God, we put our trust in you, and no matter what the situation is, we desire to trust you and to do good all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we see the generation, uh, the generations of Jacob, the line of Jacob, as we get into uh, to Genesis 37. Uh, and we see here the importance of family. From the beginning, God has desired a family, a people who are faithful to him, who will worship him, who will follow him. And this leads to a nation, Israel, a family. And it is so important to God. This is what he has always desired from the beginning. And maybe you um, are new in your journey 
uh, in your walk with Christ and you have heard about the importance of Israel over and over again, and maybe you're wondering today, I've heard about Israel, but why is it so important? And friends, it's right here. Remember back in Genesis 35 with Leah, Jacob would have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun. With Rachel, he would have Joseph and Benjamin. With Zilpah, he would, uh, Leah's maid, he would have um, Gad and Asher with Bilhah. He would have Dan and Naphtali. And right there it is, right there it is, the nation of Israel, the family that God would establish, a family, a group of people who would follow him, a group of people who would worship him, and a group of people who would love him. This is what God has always desired, unlike of the nations around them, the nations that would uh, be disobedient to him, the nations who would rebel against him. These would be the people who followed him, who worshiped him, and who loved him. Friends, God is never changing and he still desires to have that family today. It wasn't just for that time. No, God has established his family and we have been invited into it. Do you see the beautiful picture of the family that God has invited us to be in? Just a few weeks ago, we had the opportunity right here in our home to celebrate with a family in our house church who dedicated their children to God. Friends, this is a family. This is a picture uh, that God shows us. A beautiful reminder that the children who God blesses us with aren't ours, but they are a gift from God. That we only have them for a short time on this planet. That while they are in our homes, we get the opportunity to shepherd their hearts, to teach them and to point them to Jesus so that one day they might give their heart to him as Lord and Savior. If you have children in your home, I want to encourage you to download the Parent Q app. It is a free resource provided by Miami Valley Church, and it is a great way to engage with the children in your home at all different stages in life through the truth of God's worth together. But warning, this app will give you a countdown. It'll give you the number of weeks that you have with your children until they are no longer children. And I faced that sad reminder uh, just a couple weeks ago. I saw on the app that the oldest daughter in our home, we only have 688 weeks left. And it just put that visual in my mind. And friends, when I saw that number, it reminded me of the verse that God gives us. Teach us to number our days so that we might gain a heart of wisdom. When I saw that number of 688 weeks left, with our oldest daughter, friends, it reminded me of the intentionality of every word that I speak, that everything that I do needs to point to Jesus, that I only have a certain amount of time with my daughter. And so I would encourage you to download that app, to engage with your children together, right? That God's word is not just for information, but it is for transformation. It is for us to pour into others. It is for us to encourage and to point everyone towards Jesus starting in our homes. Okay, so the chapter opens up and we see that immediately right off the bat, we are introduced to this character named Joseph. He is one of the sons, but he is not the firstborn son. The culture at the time, the firstborn would receive the blessing and the birthright. Instead of focusing on that, the author focuses on this character named Joseph, the son named Joseph. And we see right off the bat, it says Jacob preferred Joseph over all of his sons. 
He is already picking favorites and does this sound familiar at all? Has picking favorites ever been good for this family? Verse four opens up and it says, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Verse five, one night Joseph had a dream and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more than ever. Verse eight, and they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Yikes. Three times the author shows us here, his brothers hated him, his brothers hated him, his brothers hated him. Three times emphasis added, his brothers hated him. Do you see the division in this family already? Yikes. And Joseph has this dream. He has a dream about his brother's bundles of grains bowing down to his bundle of grain. And if that's not bad enough, he tells them about it. And what do you think happens? It says right there, they hated him even more. But if one dream isn't bad enough and explaining it to his brothers isn't bad enough, he then has a second dream and he tells his family about that dream as well. He says, not only are all of you going to bow down to me, but my father and mother, they are going to bow down to me. And how do you think that went over? We continue, we continue to see the hatred uh, just go through this family. Verse 12, soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem and your ears should immediately perk up. Shechem, where have we heard this place Shechem before? It takes us back to Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. And Abram traveled to the land as far as Shechem. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him right there in Shechem. Abram made an altar to the Lord. And then I want you to see as we fast forward to Genesis 33, uh, we fast forward to Jacob and he tells Esau that he will follow him to Seir. But, it, but he then takes a turn and instead of going to Seir, he goes to Shechem. Genesis 33, it says, later, having traveled all the way to Paddan Aram, Jacob arrives safely at the town of Shechem in the land of Canaan. And there he built an altar and named it El Elohi Israel, God, God of Israel. So not only did Abraham go to this place called Shechem and set up an altar right there, but Jacob did as well. And now we see this is where his sons are to go. But check this out. Jacob tells Joseph, he says, go and check on my sons. Remember, Joseph is a boy of integrity. And so Jacob says to him, go and check on my sons. Make sure that they are there and listen to Joseph's response. I love Joseph's response here. He says, I am ready to go. I am ready to go. Hold on to this. We're going to be coming back uh, to this. So Joseph goes. He goes looking for his brothers in this place called Shechem. And when he gets there, he's, he's wandering around. And it says that there is a man there. And this man sees him wondering. He asks him, what are you doing here? And Joseph responds. He says, I am looking for my brothers. And he says, they are no longer here. He says, I heard them talking. They are in a place called Dotham. And so J J Joseph goes to this place and he sees that his brothers are not where they are supposed to be. Verse 18, it says, when they saw him approaching, because Joseph goes after them, he says, when they saw him approaching in a distance, they made plans to kill him. Wow, look at the power that sin can have. Three times the author tells us 
His brothers hated him. His brothers hated him. His brothers hated him. But sin doesn't stop there. Hatred, bitterness, and slander lead to division, destruction, and death. Hatred, bitterness, and slander lead to division, destruction, and death. Look at James 1.14. It says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Yeah, I want to make this personal right now for each of us who are listening and engaging with God's word together. Temptation is not sin, but when we are tempted, we have the choice. We have the option to either turn from that sin or to allow it to grow to turn from it or to allow it to grow. And when we allow it to grow, it gives birth to death. The enemy is very good at what he does. Let's just be honest. The enemy is very good at what he does. But what might look good in that moment is not what you thought it would be. What looked good in that moment is not what you thought it would be. In fact, it's going to cost you way more than you wanted to pay. And it's going to make you stay a lot longer than you wanted to stay. So Joseph's brothers desire to kill him. They see him coming and they desire to kill him. Look at the power of sin. But then something happens. Joseph's older brother, Reuben, steps up and he says, let's not kill him. Let's just put him in one of these cisterns and leave him here to die. Because Reuben had this plan in his head that they would leave him there, but he would come back for him, that he would save him, that he would not allow this to happen. And now we are not told exactly why uh, Reuben would do this. Maybe it's to gain his father's favor back, or maybe it's just to show his younger brother Joseph mercy. We do not know, but what we see is the picture here of the older brother coming to the rescue of the younger brother to save him, to rescue him, and to save him from bloodshed. And then by only God's timing, something crazy happens. As soon as his brothers go to throw him in this pit, here comes this traveling caravan of traitors. And look at what happens here, verse 27. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. Wow, wise words, Judah. Thanks a lot. Thanks for not killing him. Let's just sell him into slavery. And friends, I wanna hit pause right here and say this, slavery is not okay. Slavery is not okay. Slavery is not of God. It has never been okay. It will never be okay. Slavery is not okay. Slavery is not of God. And sadly, slavery is very real. Slavery is still happening on our planet today. It still exists. There are over 40 million slaves right now on our planet. And of those 40 million, Five million of those are children right now, happening at this very moment. 40 million slaves worldwide. Slavery is not okay. Slavery never was okay. Slavery never will be okay. Slavery is not of God, but sadly, it still exists today. And right there, Joseph is sold into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. Keep that in mind as we are going to be coming back to that. So the brothers sell Joseph into slavery, but before they do that, they take his coat from him. They dip it in goat's blood and they take it back to their father and they tell their father, they deceive their father and tell him that Joseph has been eaten by a wild animal and immediately 
Jacob mourns at the sight of this. And I wonder if part of his weeping takes him back to what he did to his father. Remember, Jacob did the exact same thing. He deceived his father the exact same way. And we see how history repeats itself. And I want to pause here to further examine the destruction of sin. Joseph was a boy of integrity and the brothers hated him, destroying the relationship. Jacob favored Joseph, which caused jealousy in comparison and stole the brother's joy. Hatred gave birth to evil desires and schemes to destroy Joseph. Wickedness now rooted deep within the brothers. They sold Joseph into slavery to be forever cut off from the family. God's heart is for the family to be a strong unit, to be bound in love to one another, to love each other. God's desire is for the family to be a strong unit. The enemy is terrified of your family being united. The enemy does not want you to make Jesus known in your home. Let me say that again. The enemy is terrified of your family being united. He does not want you to make Jesus known in your home. As we end our time today, the story wraps up in this chapter. And we see this character, remember that we were introduced to very early on Joseph. We see him now coming into Egypt in this caravan of slaves and he will be sold to Potiphar an officer of Pharaoh. And I want you to see the picture here at home. Joseph was a man of integrity. He was shown favor. He was given dreams about how his family would bow to him. And now he has been mocked. He has been sold for 20 pieces of silver. He has been made a slave. And now he will be slave to the most powerful man on the planet. Hey, as we engage with this truth together, I want to ask the question, where do you see Jesus? Where did Jesus show up in this story? Do you see the similarities between Joseph and Jesus and how Joseph is the forerunner to Jesus? Check this out. Joseph, the privileged son of Jacob, is stripped of his royal coat, sold for 20 pieces of silver, bears the consequences of his brother's sins, and yet is eventually lifted to a seat of honor, as we will see in a few weeks. Joseph reigns with wisdom and offers forgiveness to his brothers and saves his family from a great drought. It's through Joseph's actions that Israel becomes a mighty nation and eventually returns to the land through which God will bring redemption to the world. Check this out. Jesus, the only son of God, was stripped of his royal robe. He was sold for 20 pieces of silver. He bears humanity's sin and yet eventually is lifted to a seat of honor. His rule is characterized by wisdom and godliness. He offers forgiveness to sinners and saves people from their eternal thirst. It is through Jesus that redemption is brought to the whole world. And I want to ask you this question, what does your family look like? As we have learned today, God's desire for family, the importance of family, how the enemy will try his best to destroy us at this level. What does your family look like today? Is there division in your family? Is there something that is holding you back from being the family that God has created you to be? How is the enemy trying to divide you? How is he using comparison? How is he using jealousy? How is he using hatred 
to divide you in your family. When you look at your family tree, do you see a group of people who are following hard after God, who worship Him, and who love Him? This is the family that God still desires today. Out of all this story today, out of all that we've heard, after all that we've engaged with, where do you see God's character? Remember, God's word, his truth, is not just for information for us to, to consume, but it is for transformation. God desires for us to be more like his son, Jesus. And so what areas in your life need to look more like Jesus? Is it your speech? How do you speak to those in your family? Is it your thoughts? How do you think about those in your home? Is it your actions? What do we do with it? What do we need to do in our lives to look more like Jesus? What do we do with it as we engage with God's word together today? God desires for his truth to set us free from the bondage of sin. And it is through the blood of Jesus Christ that we have been saved, that we have been redeemed, that we have been rescued. If you have never said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to walk you through that right now. Because of sin, we were eternally separated from God. But God, from the very beginning, has always desired to be with his family. He desires a family who follows after him, who worships him, who loves him. And from the beginning, it was his plan. Through his one and only son, he sent Jesus Christ to this earth. Jesus lived a perfect life, a life of perfection. He left his place of royalty in heaven to come down to this earth for your sins, for my sins. He lived a blameless life. He was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was sold for 20 pieces of silver. He was placed on a cross and right there he was hung for our sins. He bore our sins. He was placed in a tomb and three days later he was raised to life so that if we believe in him, we can have life, we can be reconnected with our Father, we can be in that family that God has invited us to. He has adopted us. He has redeemed us. He has rescued us. He has saved us. And if you have never said yes to Jesus, I want to ask you to pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I acknowledge that I have done wrong in your sight. God, I ask for forgiveness. I believe that you sent Jesus Christ for my sins today. I put my trust in him. Lord, come into my life as my savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you've just made that decision for the first time today, would you let us know by texting Jesus to the number below? We wanna celebrate that with you. Friends, I am so excited if that was your decision today. Friends, we have been invited to the table that God has invited us to. We have been invited into his family. Do you see? He desires to be with us. He desires for us to follow after him, for us to worship him, for us to love him. This is the family that we have been invited to. How will you respond today?